go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you uh, again for another beautiful day. We just thank you for your love and grace and mercy to us. And thank you for another opportunity to meet with these good folks in this home. And we just ask, dear Lord, that you would bless our time together, meet with us, and, and give us a good time, lead us by the Spirit, and may we rejoice in the goodness and may the message uh, be a blessing to each one and we thank you praise you for all you're going to do in Jesus name amen amen thank you Reggie father we do want to thank you that it is um, tomorrow is Easter Sunday and father we praise you for sending your son to die on the cross and Jesus we thank you for shedding your blood to be the atonement for our sins and Holy Spirit for being with us today, that you'd bless us as we look at some of your scriptures and that we would um, bring glory to your name. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you have a handout, and the title of the handout is Concerning Death, Resurrection, and Eternal Destiny. And it's from a passage of the Bible in the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 51 to 58, and I'll go ahead and read them, and then we'll take a little bit closer look at some of these scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Easter Sunday is a celebration all about Jesus because he proved he was God by resurrecting from the grave through the power of his holiness no other person has ever come and said he would die and resurrect himself after three days Mohammed's still in the grave Buddha's still in the grave and all the other popes who've ever lived before are still in the grave only Jesus rose from the grave and the reason he did is because Jesus is God and death cannot hold God we're going to look at some of the verses here and there's three points the mystery of the resurrection of life and resurrection of damnation there's two resurrections the second point would be the great change because upon death our soul will be taken either to, into the presence of the Lord or 
dispelled away from the presence of the Lord. And then the third point is the labor and reward of a Christian. All of us in this room, our bodies are waxing old. Every day, we can look in the mirror and see changes, or we can feel the changes in our body. And the Bible says this is the normal course of life. We all have different seasons in our life to do things. And the Bible says it's appointed on man once to die. We're all going to face the judgment of God, because once you die, then you face the judgment. The purpose for Jesus dying on the cross was to prepare every soul for that day of their death when they go into eternity. And Jesus died so that the soul can go into heaven. But the soul that sins will die. So there are two courses. There are two resurrections. One is the resurrection unto life into heaven, and the other is the resurrection of the damnation and into hell and the lake of fire. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the Bible, a mystery is something that cannot be explained, but then God reveals the truth, and yet that truth still has a supernatural aspect. And what he's talking about here is, I will show you a mystery. Paul, speaking to the church at Corinth, I will show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. When we die, our soul is immortal. The physical body is like a garment that waxes old. We cast it aside. But to be absent from the body is to be present either with the Lord or in hell. When your soul leaves the body, that's the change that he's talking about. But we shall all be changed. Some people believe that as soon as they die, that's it. But Jesus says there's much more. There's much more. All of the Bible really directs us to think about eternity. While we're here on earth, we have the choice to make. That's an eternal choice. Genesis 2.7 says, And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Bible says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. And the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Genesis 3.19 says, In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And the reason the Bible tells us that we will return to dust is because of sin. When God created Adam and Eve, they were in a perfect environment. They were living in the Garden of Eden. They chose to sin. And because of their sin, they had to die. Both physically and spiritually, the people that sin are under the curse of death. Job 19, 25, and 26 says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Jesus is coming back again. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. So Job wrote this thousands of years ago. Theologians believe that the book of Job was the first book written. And he said, even though the worms eat my body, in my flesh I will see God. That means all of us will be resurrected. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. 
the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So this verse is teaching us that all sinners, the price for the sin is death. The soul that sins it will die. However, God does make the distinction that we can't base our righteousness on our father or our mother, our parents, our grandparents. Let's say you had a preacher, a grandfather who was a preacher, a very godly man. You can't hang your hat on his righteousness. You will be held accountable for your own righteousness. This one says, the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. We're all responsible for what we do, not what our kids do. Our parents are not responsible for us. They can direct us, they can influence us, of course. But at the judgment day, we stand alone before God. Daniel 12, 2 says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So the Bible is very consistent with this theme. Starting in Genesis, where dust and unto dust we will return, going through Job, Daniel, and all the way through the New Testament, all the way to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, where the judgment seats are, are, are spelled out in, in very explicit detail. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing to rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, Paul was speaking to the church at Corinth. He was speaking to Christians. For a Christian to die, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. And that's a promise we can, we can take home. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, there will be a trumpet sound. Jesus is coming back as a warrior. He went and died as the Lamb of God. But when he returns, he's coming back as a warrior. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will take revenge upon the sinner. And here it says, in the twinkling of an eye. That means quicker than you can blink, he's going to come. And it says, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now let me take a, a, a few minutes to explain the two resurrections, because when you study the Bible, sometimes this isn't clear. You're either a child of God, you're either a Christian and on your way to heaven, or you're a child of damnation, and you're a lost soul and on your way to hell. The people who are on their way to heaven, they have for 6,000 years, people souls have been going into paradise and heaven. When Cain killed Abel, he was the first human soul that went into eternity. And he went into a place called paradise. All of the saints in the Old Testament that were saved went into paradise. All the souls that were lost went into a place called hell. Now envision a basketball. Now envision a golf ball in the center of that basketball. The basketball is earth. The golf ball is hell. And in hell, hell had two rooms back before Jesus resurrected. There was the hellfire and there was the paradise. In Luke 16... The rich man died and lifted up his eyes, being in torments. He was in hell and saw Father Abraham afar off and Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. 
the rich man said, send Lazarus to dip his tip of thing, water and drop one drop of water on my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. And Father Abraham says, no, there's a great gall fixed. You can't pass to us and we can't pass to you. So the people that were suffering in the hot hell part couldn't go to the paradise part. Now, this is important because when Jesus died, he was in the tomb three days and three nights. In the New Testament, it says, as Jonas was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And also, do you remember the thief on the cross? There were two, one on one side, one on the other. And one of the thieves repented and he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. On the golf ball inside the basketball has two rooms. Jesus went to paradise, and that thief that repented went to paradise. Abraham and all the saints of the Old Testament were in paradise. Now, when Jesus rose from the grave on Easter Sunday morning, it says he took captivity captive. He took all those souls out of the paradise side and took them to heaven. And in Psalms, it says after Jesus ascended, hell expanded itself. It's like a real estate agent. If you move out of the house, they're going to bring somebody else in. Paradise was no longer needed. All the souls were taken to heaven. And God used that extra real estate and hell expanded itself. And also, when Jesus rose from the grave on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to look at this verse. It says the graves were opened. And some of the saints walked in Jerusalem on the day Jesus rose from the dead. Just think about that. There would be your grandma walking. That's amazing. And that's called the first fruits. All of us have probably had a garden at some time. I love to grow tomatoes. And here in Virginia, around the end of June, you start getting your first tomatoes, right? And then through July and into August, that you get lots of tomatoes. I mean, there's so many tomatoes, you can't eat those tomatoes. But once the harvest is gone, you still have a couple scraggly tomatoes all the way up until maybe the first frost. You can get tomatoes, a couple of tomatoes in September. You take them in, they're a little bit green, you put them on your counter and they turn red. That's a picture of the harvest of souls. Jesus was the first fruits. That's when you get that tomato at the end of, at the end of June. Then the harvest is when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the harvest. That's when most of the tomatoes are ripened. Now, there are still some people who are going to be saved through the 1,000-year reign of Christ. And they're just born. They don't have a glorified body. We're going to have a glorified body when Jesus comes back. Those people born during that 1,000-year reign, those are the gleanings. And if you remember in the story of Ruth, when Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said, you go and glean in the fields of Boaz, the harvest had already passed. But she could go into the fields and gather some more of the grain. And that's the picture of the harvest. There are the Old Testament saints, 
who went to paradise and now their souls are in heaven. We have all of the saints from that came and came out of the grave when Jesus rose on Easter Sunday morning. We have all of the saints who are, their bodies are in the grave, but their souls are in heaven now from Jesus' time until 2017. And then we're, when Jesus comes back, all of the graves will open, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we will meet the Lord. And then during that 1,000-year reign, those people will receive a glorified body, and then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to study a few of these scriptures today. Daniel 12.1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of the people. These are the Israelites that were saved. And there shall be a time of trouble. This is a tribulation. Such as never was there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. During that time of tribulation. John 5, 28 and 29 says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which that all are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Matthew 27, 52 and 53 says, And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Those were the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, the ones that are saved shall be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming, the second coming. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. By the way, the Israelite nation, when they blew the trump, it was wartime. They would take a ram's horn called a shofar, and they would make a trumpet out of that. And when you blew the trumpet, it was wartime. When Jesus comes back, the trumpet's sounding. He's coming back to make war. And then it goes on to say, The dead in Christ, again, the saved souls, shall rise first. The people who are in the grave from Jesus' resurrection all the way through whenever he comes back. We don't know when that is, but it's the next thing on God's calendar. When he comes back, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, when Jesus comes back, there will be Christians that are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so they shall ever be with the Lord. Revelation seven thirteen through 15 says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? This, these verses are specifically talking about the people who will die during the seven-year tribulation. Think about that aspect of the scriptures when you hear these verses. The people who die during the seven-year tribulation, they will receive a reward for that. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? Whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he saith to me, 
These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. The next verse is Revelation 25. This talks about the saints who were born and were saved during that 1,000 year reign of Christ. By the way, at the end of the seven year tribulation, there's the battle of Armageddon. There will be 200 million soldiers who array themselves around Jerusalem to fight Jesus. We come back with him because we're going to be riding white horses. I hope we all know how to ride a white horse because we're going to be riding a white horse when Jesus comes back. And he's going to speak a word and 200 million soldiers will die. Ezekiel says it takes seven months. The angels call all the birds from around the world to have their supper of dead flesh. For seven months, birds will eat the flesh. It says the blood will be as high as a horse's bridle for 200 miles. That's a lot of dead army soldiers. And they thought they could fight God. And he spoke one word. He spoke one word and he created the universe. God's word is, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. By the power of his word, we are here. Revelation 20, 11 says, now this is the judgment of, of the damnation. All of the judgments that we saw, all of the people rising out of the grave, those were the saved people. Those were the Christians. Now we're going to look at the damnation. Revelation 20, 11, And I saw a great white throne. That white throne shows God's purity. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Jesus is sitting on that throne. And earth flees. Heaven flees. And all that's going to be standing before that great white throne is that lost person who rejected Jesus as his Savior. That will be a scary day for that person. And it says, And there was found no place for them. You know, a lot of people can hide in their sins. They can hide behind money. They can hide behind position. They can just go in the dark and hide. Or they can sin in their mind and nobody sees it. It says, There was found no place for them. On the judgment day, there's no place to hide. Revelation 20, 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. How can a dead person stand? Because they're dead spiritually. They never got born again. For by grace are you saved through faith. They never had faith in Jesus. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Marvel not, ye must be born again. Except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So here it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Think of all those books there on, the, on that shelf. Every time we have a thought, every, time we, every idle word we speak, every attitude we have, every action we have, God has a recording angel. And it's written in the books, plural. And it says, Another book was opened, which is the book of life. So we have all of these books with everything we've done. 
And then there's one other little book over here called the Book of Life. And everybody who's a Christian has their name written in the Book of Life. And if you're not a Christian, your name is not in the Book of Life. And it says, they were judged out of those things written in the books. So the more books you have filled up, the more your punishment will be. Because there's nothing good in the books. God says, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There is nothing we can do in our flesh that's acceptable to a holy God. So the more things written in the books, the more torments in the lake of fire. Unless your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Verse 20, 14 and 15 says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That golf ball in the, in the center of the, of the basketball, hell inside the center of the earth, that only has souls because the bodies are out there in the cemeteries, in the graves. But God will resurrect those bodies and he's going to take death and hell. Death is represented by the grave, the body in the grave, and hell represents the soul. He will take death and hell. He will take the body out of the grave and the soul out of hell and cast them into the lake of fire. Because now the soul is put back into the dead body and it spends eternity in the lake of fire. So the lake of fire is actually worse than hell. Because death and hell are in the lake of fire and now your soul is, the body is in the grave. Nothing can happen to the body in the grave. But now that body is resurrected, dead, with the soul. That verse says, Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the important part. This is the second death. See, we're all going to die once. Some people die twice. If you're born once of your mama's womb, then you die twice, physically and in this lake of fire. But if you're born twice, born of your mama's womb and of Jesus' Holy Spirit, you only die once. You see that? Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? It can't, if it's not, it can be. You just need to call in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And from today, start to live for him. Honor him as king. Talk to him. Become his friend. See, the people that he sends into the lake of fire, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you know Jesus? Does he know you? You have to have a relationship with him. And how do you have a relationship with somebody? You talk to them. You share things with them. Jesus wants us to talk to him and share. Yes? It's one thing we can't fool God. He knows everything through all generations. That's right. And he's going to be our judge, and that's the most wonderful thing in the world. That's right. And he's a, he's a just judge. You can't bribe Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is no respecter of persons. You can be the president or a worker at McDonald's. He's no respecter of, of, your, of your person or your position or your money one or more, wealth. One more thing. I'm glad he's king of kings and lord of all. Lords to all of us. Amen. Whether we won't accept him or not. Right. And every knee yeah. will bow to God and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. 
we would be powerless without him. Amen. Yeah, all things that pertain unto life and godliness are from Jesus. 